Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This book has caused me to rethink Name of the Wind. Wow, that where I'm, I'm honestly now need to re reread Name of the Wind because if I look at the characters from Name of the Wind in the same way that I looked at Empire Silence, I think I'll enjoy the book more. Trust that I'm invested in the world and the slow burn. Don't try to fake me out with these. Ooh, it's really tense. Ooh, it's like Red Rising, fast pace. You are no Red Rising. <laughs> just, I, I it is not. That. No, no. But I feel like this book was trying to toe the line between giving you that Dune name of the wind slow burn, while also giving you Red Rising. Ooh, fast cut. Sorry, I spit on you. You did. Welcome back, everybody. It's another Tudor Ramble episode. My name's Austin. And I'm Richard. We are reviewing Empire of Silence by Christopher Rocchio today. We're going to go 10 to 15 minutes spoiler-free, then we'll get deep into spoiler territory. I'm, I'm so happy about this book. Like, this is this is going to be an interesting one because I saw this book blew up on uh, on BookTube. Oh, yeah. Daniel Green did a review about it and immediately all sold out. All of these books. Like, he killed the publisher. <laughs> Amazon was sold out of these books after he did a review, which is awesome for this publisher. And like the peasant followers we are, we said, Daniel Green does it, we do it. Because yeah. we, we chased the, the we popularity. We chased the clout. <laughs> the other reason we did it is it was our book club of the month for the Patreon. But, you know, yep. that's besides Shout out to Coop. Great suggestion. It was Coop. Was it Coop that suggested that? Yeah. He pitched it. Well, Coop. Thanks, Coop. <laughs> and also, I think he did it all. Yeah, he read all the books. Because this is just, he even bought it, me the book. He did? Yeah. That's so nice. <laughs> my, I, I had my, to read it. My book point. has all these endless tabs in it where to the point of ridiculousness. It's... It's quite yeah, a lot. It's past the point, but it's past, it's past, the past point. it. <laughs> but this is just book one. Empire yeah. Science, this is in the Sun Eater series saga. Sun Eater. There's currently five books out, I want to say. Yeah, the next one's coming out this year. Maybe, but there's supposed to be seven total. So already five. And Chris Verrocchio, he pumps these out like as if his, as if his name's Sanderson. <laughs> He's been publishing these. I think this one came out in 2018. And five books in four to five years, that's one a year. Yeah, that's pretty that's, great. That's some great, great numbers. It's faster than you. 
Again. (laughs) (laughs) This, yeah, this book was sold out from Daniel Green's review, though, right? Is that the case? Yeah. So that means after we post this, it's going to be sold out again? No. (laughs) (laughs) His his sell numbers, the return rate goes so high. Higher returns. (laughs) All the books are now back in stock. Like, Tudor Ramble reviewed it. It's, suddenly, it's everywhere in Barnes and Nobles and has dust everywhere. <laughs> no one trusts the opinion of us. <laughs> so, so that's why we read it. Daniel Green was popular. Our book club picked it. And we also, we just finished the last book of Red Rising, Lightbringer. And I wasn't, I don't know about you, I wasn't the most excited to go into another sci-fi book. Same uh-uh. here. I was looking for some more fantasy yeah. because yet yeah, we were we've been digging into the sci-fi recently. But... I am glad we actually read this book. I so ultimately, yes. This is this is definitely a you book, and it is a me book. Regardless, we are both walking into this, going, "I'm a bit sci-fi out. I want mm-hmm. some fantasy." Next book we do should be fantasy. Actually, we'll it see. Is is it? Yes, it is. It is picked. It's already done. Oh no, that's that's kind of sci-fi. Is it time war? Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's kind of okay. that's kind of sci-fi. Oh God. When are we doing? Fantasy? It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> but Rich, so you said you're not too upset that this book was picked and that you had to read this book. I was quite happy. Why? What's your spoiler-free review of it? Did you like Empire of Silence? What? Well, what is someone? What should they expect going into a book like this? I liked it quite a bit, but it is a hard sci-fi book. It is not your Red Rising sci-fi where like soft, soft technological stuff with a lot of action and battle stuff. This is more, hey. What's the human condition? What makes a human? And the world being so oppressive that it is. And it's just this, eh, best way to describe it, it's name of the wind in space. That's, it's honestly very, very similar. The huge comparisons I see. The name of the wind, also dune elements. Yeah, some dune, dune elements. And that, that seems to be pretty common among people reviewing this going, name of the wind in space Dune elements. Chris Ferracchio was, this was his, I forgot to mention, his first novel. Yeah. His first full novel. And he was obviously very inspired by a lot of the greats in the past. Mm-hmm. Well, would you consider Patrick Rothfuss a great? He is a great writer. Yeah. He is. I just don't like his plot lines or characters. That's not, you know what? That's fine. So you don't like Name of the Wind, but you do like Name of the Wind in Space. I do like Name of the Wind in Space. <laughs> Which makes me think, like, maybe I gotta reread Name of the Wind. Maybe maybe I've changed. Or maybe your sci-fi bias is just so strong. I think so. You just I, love sci-fi so much. Like, they were getting into the metaphysical aspect, and that was enough to carry me through, like, hey, the character's good? Eh, I don't know. But, <laughs> hey, the world. <laughs> the sci-fi world. The spaceships. Oh, cool. <laughs> Red Rising? Oh, because Red Rising isn't sci-fi enough for you, is it? No, it is not. Mm, mm. It, you could put that in back in time it's about the same the setting doesn't affect the story that much yeah like you can make you could transfer red rising into a fantasy book pretty easily okay with with this book would you recommend it before we get into your exact review would you say overall you enjoyed the book do you think it's for a certain audience yes. would really like this book? i don't think this is an open recommendation not Everyone should read this. But if you're really into that hard sci-fi stuff, if you like something like Neuromancer or Hyperion, you like Name of the Wind, and you want to give a sci-fi stuff a try, check this one out. If you're mostly like looking at Sanderson novels, like you just kind of want some good action, or you're into Red Rising, uh, this maybe is not 
the best one to go for right immediately? Yeah, I'll, I'll give, I guess we'll have a good balance on this review here because you, you're definitely more positive than I am. Mm-hmm. I am not opposed to this book. I'm not. I, I would say the one huge element of this, the world building is neat. The world building is interesting. And that's what pulled me through with the book. Mm-hmm. But I'd say when it comes to the plot, the characters, my feeling, the message slash my emotion toward this book were generally underwhelming. And I would say the book relies more on, and I use this term not condescendingly because I could, I trust me, I'm an imitator. I copycat. I'm like, oh, Daniel Green reviewed it. I reviewed it. But I mean, this, I think it's more of an imitation than an emulation of Name of the Wind, Erzy's prior books. I think it uses a lot of cliches and archetypes that wasn't different enough. It was a bit derivative. And why are you giving me that look right now? Okay. Oh, I just know the comments are like, Austin, derivative, <laughs> Red Rising much? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Everyone's just going to call you a hypocrite. It's like Hunger Games, basically, right? <laughs> yeah. It's true. But th- this one didn't go outside the boundaries or have an interesting enough characters or archetypes for, for me to get too behind it. And I, I want to say this as well, because we're, we're not the only ones who reviewed this book. There's Dan Green reviewed it, but also our patrons out there reviewed it. To give the outside perspective, most of them were also underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Remember we were having that discussion and it seemed yeah. like, so I, I know Inés and Robin were very underwhelmed from it. Robin said it had like zero tension in the book, which the, my one aspect, which we'll get into in spoilers later, will be about that tension and conflict. I think we'll have a lot to discuss in plot. Yeah. Uh, Coop, uh, Coop, who recommended the book, says that the following books get so much better. And Coop likes the first book more than me. I think even more than you. Coop really likes the first book. He really liked it on a reread. Yes. Well, especially. He really, he's able to see some of the things that are paid off later. Exactly. And so this first book is known as the weakest. So I am not out of the count. The world was interesting enough for, I would say, someone out there. Yeah. Who you know? I'm I'm harsh on more characters and plot for this, but I heard it only gets better. And I'm gonna be reading. I don't know about you, but I'm gonna be reading the second book uh, here in February. Okay, Howling Dark is book yeah. two, and that is Coop says it's one of his favorite books. And then we also had Dark Lord and Salty also on the Patreon were saying that they didn't connect with it as much, but they're willing to read on. So I have pretty much mm-hmm. their exact opinion. But you, you're ready to read on. You were convinced. Oh yeah, you like it. Yeah. No, I liked it, and I think it's a certain perspective change. Like, we're going to have a disagreement on characters and how we viewed the characters. Maybe plot, too? Maybe. We'll probably agree more on plot. Okay. It's the character thing where it has caught... This book has caused me to rethink Name of the Wind. Wow. That where I'm... I'm honestly now need to re, reread Name of the Wind because if I look at the characters from Name of the Wind in the same way that I looked at Empire Silence, I think I'll enjoy the book more. Interesting, because you think you looked at the characters in Name of the Wind with a frame of mind and had certain expectations that didn't get what you wanted. We'll get, in the spoiler section in characters, I will explain exactly what I mean. Okay, then what did you rate this book? Spoiler free. Rating, overall, out of 10 for Empire Silence. Out of 10, my average was a 6.8 out of 10. We're not drastically far off. Yeah. I gave it a 6 out of 10. Yeah. We're not so far off. (laughs) It's that's close. Yeah, like, and then, I'll, and then, I'll be honest, <laughs> it'll be like characters, and I think dialogue and prose like will disagree on most everything else about the same. Fast forward the video to pursue to twenty thousand disagreements <laughs> about this point eight difference. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's what makes you miserable. <laughs> yeah. 
It also makes it just more exciting. No, it is. I say miserable, but I love I, it. I Misery search. needs company. And you and I, exactly. that's why we're great company. <laughs> we're both miserable. <laughs> it's a cycle of misery. We it just is. spiral around making each other worse. <laughs> so true. Do you want to get into this book? Now? No, but let's do it. So well, I do want uh, to get... No, this is before we get into spoilers. Last thing I want to say is for anybody that's still not convinced to read this, if you are more sci-fi like Rich... Read it. If, Honestly, if you were down for Neuromancer, let's say you read Neuromancer and you had the best time of your life, pick up this book now. You got to pick it up. It's a must read. But that's the type of reader. Like, mm. not everyone's Neuromancer ready. No. <laughs> not I don't know is. if William Gibson, the author, was Neuromancer ready. <laughs> but if you're Neuromancer ready, you're ready for Empire Silence. Yeah. <laughs> if, if my recommendation for those of you, the few of you who agree with me out there, if you're looking for a character study, I don't think it gets there yet. I do believe the main character, Hadrian, will get better. And I'm interested to see. I think we'll do a book two review eventually. Yeah. So if you want to start another journey with us, we'll eventually get to book two, review that, and maybe the conversation will be a bit different. Okay. But for this, let's get into spoilers. Spoiler warning. This is your warning. Click off now if you care about spoilers. It is time. Okay. Ready? What did you give the emotional impact out of 10 for this book? I gave it a six out of 10. 5.75 out of 10. Yeah, like, I generally enjoyed it. I think it's pretty good. Like, it's better than average. There was some... I, I was always, I was almost always intrigued. It was not hard for me to continue reading. But did I have super highs? Did I have, like, a big tension moment? No, not particularly. I didn't have drastic lows where I'm going like, oh, God, this sucks. Yeah. It was just a consistent six all the way through. I just hate how much we're going to disagree with our actual scores being pretty much the same as frustrating. <laughs> because I'm going to say some things, and you're going to be like, it's way better than that. <laughs> I, I just know it's coming, but it's I, coming, yeah. I generally agree with your sentiment where I, I wasn't, there were no moments. There were no moments in this book that really had me other than this. The emotion for me was entirely entirely 100% of the motion was behind the world and the interesting concept mm -hmm. and the fact that the C. Alson that's I, I now know that's how you pronounce them C. Alson C. Alson it's it sounds like a uh, it sounds like some drug yeah a medicine uh, some commercial something, for, erect, something si for erectile dysfunction <laughs> the side effects are you'll be putting videos on YouTube and <laughs> I don't. I think that's like the cause of erectile dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I pretty much agree with with your score rating. But maybe we get our emotion from different spots a little bit mm -hmm. because I very much was interested in getting the snippets of the world and learning little by little more about the CLs and more about this interesting building. Those world building aspects. One thing for me that was cool to learn as the book went on was, hey, at first we're thinking that the human species is the first spacefaring... <coughs> oh, man, I need that medicine. <laughs> the, the first spacefaring species, sentient species, that went across all of the universe, but then we slowly come to find out, oh, the Cielsen are the first to challenge them. And then who are these Cielsen? Oh, they eat people. That yeah. was neat to find out step by step. It wasn't all just thrown at you because there is something to be said. I, I know we both agree with this. When an author throws a lot of answers at you, at once, 
rather than making you ask questions and want to find out and want to learn more about the world, Mm -hmm. that's a serious flaw with some worlds where if everything is given to you, and and I'm talking this, we'll talk more in in world building, of course, but as far as emotion goes, if all the answers are given to you just right now, you're never curious. You're never asking questions. True. And the fact that there's always something off and wrong, like when you're reading it, like when you're seeing the Sialsen and how it's portrayed, you know something's wrong because there's a lack of information and you go, okay, my my current understanding is wrong. So when there's the battle, uh, the very beginning of the book where they have like the impression where they dress a human up like a Sialsen and the caricature that they give it. Over time, my mental picture of the C. Allison actually changes, and that's quite fun to yeah. see how my perception of the world changes. You're learning as Hadrian in the past is learning. Exactly. Then what, what would your, before I say mine, what would your main criticism with the book be? Because 6 out of 10 is nothing mm. special for you. Why was it no. so low? <sighs> more I think about it, I think the, on one hand, I like the character Hadrian for the fact that he's not a really good character where I'm looking at him as incredibly flawed and I find it really interesting of call you think that it's a setup for a like standards hero's journey and I'm I'm thinking this you know underdog uh like the secret prince type deal is a trope and he's actually super in other stories he's much cooler than he actually is and he's portrayed to be sure and he shows his stuff in this book it's not that he is the hidden prince and he thinks he's all this and you, you think know, that's a bad thing that's a negative to the book well no because every time like he's always undercut a little bit yeah and his ego is always higher than what he portrays it so i find it interesting that he's actually a piece of shit rich <laughs> i asked you what your criticism was not something you liked you... i'm never gonna give you what you want <laughs> Just not one one time be like you know what austin let me but in, <laughs> yeah. but in continuous yeah, yeah. with this, that does, it's interesting, but not very exciting. Okay. That's my point. You're more interested than invested. It's kind of like with Dune. I, I'm interested in Paul Atreides. I'm not jazzed about him. I'm not emotionally invested. That's the same thing with Hadrian. I was always interested in this character, and curiosity is enough. It's pretty good, but... I wasn't attached to him. You would want to go out and get coffee or lunch with Kaladin, but never Hadrian. Hadrian, like, <laughs> he's an interesting he's got, study. He's got stuff to figure out. Let's just... He's interesting to think about a little bit, but he's not emotionally invested. So, And got that it. happens to most of the characters. And, yeah, that's, that's a little unfortunate. When we, when we get into characters, Hadrian will probably be the bulk of it. But before we do... What, what do you think know, was the message of the story, though? Yeah, but before we do that, can I go one more emotional thing? Then go right yeah, to the message. Ahead. One more, just one. My big criticism with the book overall is with the character and with the plot. I feel that the book was trying to make tense moments and trying to make you to feel these these urgent these moments that I didn't feel and you didn't feel in a slow burn book. I think Chris Farrakia wanted the best of both worlds where. He wanted to create this interesting and complex world, which that had me going. The, the slow burn, the, okay, build this world for me. Craft, what's going on? What's this leading up to? But then he'd also jut at you these trying to be intense scenes and 
feigning conflict and tension when it really wasn't that conflicting or tense. So my my big thing, and we'll mm. get into specifics, but my emo that's that's what kept pulling me down. Of like, I, I don't want that stuff. I, I want I want more of the stuff. You, well, uh, you, the <laughs> tense moments were almost all. They were almost never externally tense. It was inner turmoil, and even that wasn't too tense for me, which we'll get into. Yeah, but I, I want to say that that was my biggest thing, and I, I can't get over that. So me- message of the story, though, what do I think the message was? Yeah, I think a part of it. It's more of a I, I know I didn't love the character of Hadrian, mm-hmm. which we're going to do, but it was a story about the, the very introduction is him destroying this son, Sun Eater. He destroys the son, and we are looking into how someone that is, in quotes, soft or naive grows into the person that would do such a thing. We see him have these moments early on of like, he wouldn't hurt a fly. He wouldn't do that. At least he says he wouldn't. But then how does he get there? So the message of the story, I think they're, I, I think it's showing us a before and after and the slow progression of a character to how they get to that point. It's Breaking Bad. Ah. You heard it here. Ah. <laughs> Empire of Silence is Breaking so Bad. So it's derivative of Name of the Wind, Dune, and Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think you are right. It's how, how does the world make a soft man into a monster? Right. And so the criticism with that is we only see hints of him being a monster the sun eater that mm-hmm. he will be at the very very tail end like right when he's like he kills he tortures the sicilian <laughs> <laughs> the italians and sicilians <laughs> they better watch out adrian's world hopping to earth oh yeah he's kill, <laughs> he's killing them all and not enough pasta <laughs> yeah but you want to let me put the pineapple on the pizza <laughs> so you all die i'm gonna, I'm gonna destroy the sun <laughs> I'm half Italian. We can we can do that. I'm not. And I'm still gonna do. No, nah, you got no one, one cares. You got one percent. You're like you got something in you. Oh no, I'm guaranteed. <laughs> hey, I, I'm, I give you. I'm a... like ninety percent, ninety percent English, and the rest is Irish. Rich, I give you the Italian pass. Okay, you got oh, the Italian <laughs> the pass. Italian word pass. I could maybe turn that in for like a five dollar coupon. That's how much <laughs> oh, it's worth. That's what you think of Italy. <laughs> oh, hey, we got good food, and yeah. we've got good sights. I'm gonna say I think Italy is overrated on pasta. I they've been given the moniker uh, of the pasta kings, uh, the Chinese. The Chinese are the no, real masters of Chinese pasta. Chinese do noodles. First off, they they're the master of noodles, maybe. But no, what do, no, what do th- this Italians is so do? incorrect. Italians have the whole store of all this different pasta, and it's the exact same recipe for all of them, except they put them in different shapes and try and make them called different. You're talking no. about some... The Chinese actually make new, interesting recipes of different flavors. It's all, like, different textures. The Italians just are so lazy. They no. have one recipe, no. and they make different shapes. Listen, as an Italian, yes, the Sicilians are lazy. We have a feud. But... <laughs> You are t- you're being an American going to some Italian restaurants, Italian American, where they don't even they're like five generations removed. You know what? How you're going to Olive Garden? You know okay? how, Which, by the way, Olive Garden's not too bad. You know how <laughs> unfortunate? Like, yeah, yeah. The Italians, like, they just don't have their stuff together. The fact that the Americans had to make fettuccine Alfredo and make the Italians carry it in their restaurants, they don't want it there. We had to force them to carry the best Italian. <laughs> I can't say that. This is right. <laughs> I can't keep that joke going. That's horrible. <laughs> you, you no, know, I, I've heard that several, like, 
In Italy, yeah. if you go to like some of the more popular like restaurants, yeah, yeah. they will have fettuccine Alfredo on there. That's not an Italian dish. No. But they kept getting Americans that say, oh, can I get a fettuccine Alfredo? That's so much that they finally just put it on their menu because they were tired of telling people that that's not Italian. No. And, and Rich, you're missing out on I, when I was 15 years old, went to my, my nanny and nana are right from, right from Italy. They're immigrants. And I went to their family home in Abrici. And two hours east of Rome, mm-hmm. and when I walked, when I when I went home to my, I had like twenty relatives in just one building. It's just a, it's a four story building where they bought out each apartment, and they've just lived there their whole lives. And then for breakfast, I would be on the bottom floor eating pasta, homemade, fresh from my from my tia. I don't even know that's how you say it in Italian. <laughs> and then and then I'd go up to the next floor, and my uncle would be like. Manja, manja, Austin. Manja, Augustine. Oh, bella, bella. Oh, and then he'd feed me pasta. Then for second lunch, I'd go up to the next floor, and my aunt from the first floor was somehow there as well, also cooking more. It's marvelous. It's just that homey feel. And then you walk outside, you see a goat. They're like, "There's a goat there." And then the goat's dead. We're cooking that for dinner. It's just, it's unbelievable. It's you just, you just got to go back to those the the nowhere, the place that everyone would overlook. You just go in the middle of Buck, basically the Pennsylvania of of Italy, right there, and then you just get the best pasta. But no, Italy's great for pasta. Empire of Silence. We we have to have a little tangent sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, where did we get on the pasta? How'd that start? I don't know. We were making fun of you or something. Something about Italy. You said for the Cialson, you said Sicily. And Sicilians. That's how, because you can't say words right. Cialson, Sicilian, they're the same. We'll call them Sicilians. So anyways, the, the Sicilians. Sicilians who eat people. <laughs> <laughs> what was your point? <laughs> I don't know anymore. Want to go on the characters? Let's go on the characters. Okay. <laughs> what did you give characters out of 10? Uh, I gave characters a 6.75. This is going to be our biggest talking point then. Yeah. Because I gave characters a five. Flat five. Yeah. Not impressed. Well, let's talk the bulk about... We can go to the side characters afterwards, but sure. Hadrian is an important... Obviously, it's a memoir with Hadrian. Mm-hmm. What did you think of his character? What, what did you think overall... Breaking down his character, when we're looking at the character category, we're judging the flaws, wants, and needs. I think he's generally a good character. He is... He's a dynamic character, but it's a slow dynamic character. Mm. In this whole first book is trying to understand the complexities of a man who believes one thing and does another. And that's kind of it's hard for you to see like let let's look at the character like through the stages. We see in the beginning that he kind of thinks he's above it all, that he's above his family and his family is cruel and mean and all these things. And that he would never do these awful things. And it's more so that he's just a coward. He's not that he doesn't do it because he's not capable. He thinks it's wrong. It's that he's soft and he's scared most of the time. And a little disgusted. But he's not willing to stand behind his beliefs often. He looks at his brother. And he, he believes his brother hates him. When you read a little closer into it. He's projecting. He projects his feelings of his brother. His brother actually doesn't hate him. It's more just a little jealous of him sometimes, but genuinely wants a good relationship. But Hadrian projects his own feelings onto him. This carries forward throughout most of the book of how he projects his feelings onto his father. His father 
thinking like from Hadrian's perspective, he, uh, his father is cruel and evil, all these things where no, he just has a odd sense of scale and logically speaking, the fact that Hadrian's dad wants the, uh, the continuation of his family. There's some certain rules and Hadrian doesn't want to do any of this. So he wants, so he, on one hand, doesn't want anything to do with his family's business, his family's history, all this stuff. Mm. But then is also insulted that he's not chosen as heir, and it really hurts him. Carry that forward on all the different times when he wouldn't hurt someone. It's more that he can't. And that focal point with his father, I think his father's relationship is forming him. Where that softness you're talking about, he's soft and a coward in some ways and wants to believe these things. I think he, his flaw is the mixture between not wanting to be soft, but also not wanting to turn into his father. So he's conflicted between, he, he, he sees himself as, oh, my father would have done this differently, but I also don't respect my father. So that's the weird situation he is. And his actual, his want is, I just want to be a scholiast. Uh, I, I, I want to follow Gibson in my mentor's footsteps and be a scholiast. That's his want. Obviously, yeah. that's not, what does Hadrian's character actually need? What's the lesson for him? What, what, what do you think the... Well, he definitely doesn't get it all here in this book. It's, it's a series, so we're not getting a complete arc in this book, but we see him slowly change. Like you said, that slow dynamic change for a character. Yeah. So we see him start off as soft. We see him saying... I remember like his, his, his servant came to him and was saying, I'll, Lord, I'll go to bed with you. He doesn't actually say the word bed. And he goes, oh, no, I can't believe this. He's just very, very unsure of himself there's a lot of uncertainty and he's incredibly uncomfortable in his own status yeah which is interesting because here's the thing on one side he doesn't like this as when he has that crush on the um his guard the person that works for him kyra maybe i think and he has the correct reaction of realizing oh I literally can't have a relationship with her at all mm-hmm. because she's going to just do whatever I say. And there's no, it, even if she maybe would like me, she has to, The she has to, which means it's He's not real. Him, and yeah. he turns that away. It's good. That's a good reaction. Yeah. Positive quality. But so he knows on one hand to not use his, his status in that kind of negative way. And yet frequently throughout the rest of the story, he does use his status and he, that side of him does come out quite a few times when yeah. the going gets tough. So, because a, a lot of yeah. what he wanted too, maybe it wasn't just to want to be a scholiast. Well, it wasn't maybe just this. He also wanted to not be with his family. He said he said he wanted to not rule, but he also didn't want Crispin to rule. Yeah. So no matter his inner conflict, so he he has a lot of this going on. There's there's some big things set up, and his character. For you, what what made you connect with him more? What made you... You see, he's an interesting character, but maybe not an, a super engaging one. Is that how you'd put it? Or what, what would you use to describe Hadrian? It's mainly just interesting. I, I think the, the moment that got me way more invested in his character and his journey mm-hmm. was when he was abandoned and crashed on that planet. And he just wakes up and... He doesn't know what year it is. He has nobody, nothing. You, in any other story, that character would use his skills and try and rise up and use what he has learned to grow and reach his goal. Hadrian wastes years. 
he's so indecisive that eventually he does use his privilege as a uh, palatine, but he wastes a lot of years just kind of putzing around and just starving and suffering and honestly needless. The fact that it took him years to go to the Coliseum to fight. Felt purposeless. He felt like a purposeless character and that he wants a lot of things but doesn't have the conviction to actually do anything about it. Mm. Maybe him being more of a passive character in that way or taking some time is why he wasn't he was an it's an interesting character. So I don't I don't hate his character as much as I think my more negative Hadrian's an interesting person to see where he'll end up in future books. I think this book, some of the moments that I was looking forward to happening happened too late. Whereas the more negative points, or did you want to stay on Hadrian for a minute? No, go ahead. Because the more negative points I had, a lot of the side characters felt very archetypal. A lot of this, so you had Gibson, your mentor, seen him before. You have your brother, the brother Crispin, your brother rival, your father, the abuse, not the abusive, the neglectful father, the uh, switch, the sidekick that you're going to switch in the gladiator scenes and all that. There were a lot of the archetypal characters. Hey, not a horrible thing, but it was more so, it reminded me of something <laughs> Sanderson said. <you> know? <laughs> it, it just reminded me of the way that other authors have created characters. Like Sanderson, when he's creating a character, he says, don't use archetypes, use character motivations. And a lot of the times when I was looking at these characters, the first thing I was thinking was archetype and not motivation. So for example, Gibson, first thing I think is archetype because his motivation didn't, and that's not the first thing I was thinking. It wasn't written in a way to go, oh, that's Gibson's motivation. That's why he makes sense as a character. That's why he's doing these things. Yes, Gibson cares for Hadrian, but the, you find that out, and yes, he does. It's part. It, it seems more for plot purpose. There wasn't the the understanding of the character and why they work the way they work like there is with mm. other side characters and stories. Or the other author, I 10 out of 10 characters, and sort of freaking Kaigen, I'm not going to spoil anything for this book, but one way that she writes characters is the 3Ds. The, and I forget what they are. It's like de, basically going out in the day of your life. Uh, another one's conflict, detractor. So then the second scene you should put your character in is someone disagrees with them. How does your character react? And then third thing is you go and face the dragon, a conflict, a big point. I didn't explain that well, but basically Emma Wang, what she does with her characters is she puts this character into three different situations. So she has her character. She creates uh, what's a normal day for that character. What do they get at the grocery store? How do they interact with people? Okay. What do they do when someone disagrees with them over lunch an argument? How do they react to an argument and struggle? And then how does your character react in a Anyways, the way that I was thinking of these characters and how Emma Wang or Sanderson creates their characters and what makes someone interesting or what makes you not, not root for it. Root for is the wrong word. It's more invested like you are in Hadrian. Mm-hmm. What makes you understand a character where they live off the page? What makes you remember them and go, man, Gibson stuck with me. Switch stuck with me. All the, what makes that happen is the motivation or understanding what they would do in other situations, whereas they came off more like archetypes than actual characters. I think you're right about most most of the characters. The only characters that, the side characters that I think we understand a little bit more mm-hmm. is, I think we understand the father a lot more. So father, I understand the motivation behind him. The the woman, uh, what's her name? The doctor. Oh, did you say the father? Okay. The father. Got it, got it. Yeah. And also the doctor. The uh, so doctor. Later on in the book, what's her name? Oh, uh, Good question. 
Help me out. All right, cut, cutting to when we find the name in the book. Valka, we found it. Valka, we're yep. so we're so bad with names. But the love interest, <laughs> you you yeah. kind of get her. Um, okay, it's mostly mysterious, but you understand her motivation of discovery. You understand, like sure. when she makes a decision, you get it. Un- compared to the other characters that are more archetypes. You know what I mean? You know, it's I don't interesting. think I don't think the love interest fits into a very neat box at the very least. It's it's a unique love interest story. It was, it was a bit weird. I don't mean Actually, weird in a bad. What's that? What's that giggle for? It's similar to name of the wind's love interest. <laughs> the first book. Archetypal derivative. No, Honestly, <laughs> like the same. Really, well, similar. if we if we went through step by step of how this was similar to Name of the Wind, there's reviews out there that go this, 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 this. We're not gonna do that. No, <laughs> we're not gonna do that. Like what, what I did Wheel of Time with Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but that you could go on. There, there's a bunch of similarities, of course. But Valka, the thing that stuck out with Valka mm. to me again was with the world building and how interesting it was. She was part of what the Demarchy, and they're each every adult is a part of the electorate technically or representative in some well, way no so they're all like they, a part they own oh, shares, shares of the company yeah shares of it which means that they are also representatives and you can't do anything to that private citizen or else you wage war on the demarchy and they're also all integrated with technology <laughs> yeah. sin that the empire uh or the church actually mm-hmm. so yeah th- i found her very interesting and i'm hoping for more from her the world part was interesting but man they're I don't know what I was supposed to feel in that love story. Oh, I there was a quick turnoff of like, I was not rooting for them. I was I was like, oh, this is just going to be sad tragedy. Like, even if, like, of course they will get together at some point because I think it was like basically implied. But I know it's going to be a train wreck. Like, it's not going to be healthy or good for hatred. Just know that. And so I'm not like invested that way. I'm interested to see how she'll react and how she'll change him. But that's about it. Sure, sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I get what you mean. Volka's more of a character, I guess, than the others. We also have people like Anais, Dorian, uh, Chanter, Gilliam. Those are good characters. Cat. So, uh, Cat, more so of an archetype. Same thing with Switch, where I don't really understand the they serve, they serve a purpose for Hadrian. That yeah. they're there, they're there to push the plot for Hadrian's character. Cat teaches him lesson of death, and mm-hmm. Switch is there so he can have some responsibility. But again, all these characters again feel like they're put there for plot purposes for Hadrian, and not as naturally like they live their own lives. And that's the problem because Switch comes off because Switch needs to be there for Hadrian to learn this. Cat needs there for Hadrian to learn this. His father needs to push him out. Gibson. So when all the characters are there, yes, in a in a character focused book where it's one point of view, of course, it's about that character. Mm-hmm. But what really excels is when all these other characters live off the page and where you can go, they're there for, they're living their own story. You could have a point of view from Switch, from Gilliam, from, and maybe more so Gilliam had a more interesting story, I'd actually say, mm-hmm. but from, from the mother, from Crispin, from all these characters, which I know we will get more of Crispin and the father and so forth in the future books. I think, yeah. I'd hope. But and there's, there's at very least, there's a short story that, is after this it's a novella that it's this book from the perspective of crispin okay so i know that exists so neat neat so that's that's where i'm standing where the side characters were too flat for me and the main character hadrian he was somewhat interesting but not compelling is Mm. how i'd leave it and 
I didn't seem like we disagreed too much. You just liked them more. You, you were more I interested. Liked, I was more interested in Hadrian, and I liked, I liked the side characters well enough, okay. more so than you. Sure, because sure. I think like especially Cat of teaching Hadrian the lesson of death, and more importantly, his position, his how he always wants to see himself as the same as every other race in the in this world yeah. but he is hit with the unfortunate reality of no he's actually different he's, he's built not, different he's not the same species he yeah. lives hundreds of years compared to all these other people that live maybe a hundred he is unaffected by most diseases they when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is pain. He's made painfully aware of what his father was trying to teach him, and in this way, it's more of a, I guess, a healthier turn. Like it's he's confronted with it. It's a bit more heartwarming of a message, but his father was trying to teach him the in exact a harsh same, way yeah. in a harsh way. Yeah. So, I found that really great. I, I, that's one of the highlights for the book for me was that portion. all the stuff with Cat. Okay, that was a short section of the book too. Yeah, but I I, I can see that. Yeah. It was a great lesson for him to learn. Yeah. I, I, I didn't despise Hadrian. I'm just, no. I, I'm hoping I like him in the future. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. You want to go on the plot? No, let's go on okay. the plot. Plot time. What did you give plot out of 10? I gave the plot a 5.75. I give it a 5. Better than average, but eh, I'd say average. Exactly. I, average. I'd say dead spot <laughs> on average. And why would you say a little bit above average? What you, what you like about the plot? Want to start with the promise? Like, what would yeah. you expect of this book when it started off? The book throws at you, sun's destroyed. Here we go. Hadrian, what's happening? Well, that's the thing is, page one, like chapter one, I'm expecting a bit more of an epic, you know, destroyer of the sun. And we don't yeah. really get that. We get more depressed, toned down origin story. And then as we're going on, I'm... I kept getting set up to be my expectations were always going to be subdued that every turn where you think, Oh, this is how the typical hero would act. Hadrian does the opposite. And it's just kind of almost throughout the whole story that I think, mm-hmm. Oh, he's going to rise up and become leader of all, you know, he's going to become the best, uh, best gladiator. The inciting no. incident where Gibson, his mentor dies. And then his fa- father sends him off to be in the Chantry, was it? And then you think, he's, Oh, he's, he's going gonna, to, he's going to go with the Chantry and well, he's going, his to mother has learn. his plan with him. Okay. He's going to go off and he's going to come back. And... Yeah. No, every time I'm, it's always, uh, 
subverting your expectations. And mm -hmm. at, at a certain point, it becomes the expectation of yeah. Hadrian will make the kind of weaker, uh, boring, <laughs> boring choice. <laughs> All right. But that's interesting for his character. Sure. That, that, that's where I'm always just like, I'm interested to see how he gets about it and where I'm always interested to see where he's going to mess up because mm -hmm. I know he's going to mess up because he sure. keeps making the wrong decisions over and over. <laughs> I'm totally with you on I expect here's one big expectation I had. I did not think based on the first chapter and the first act of this book that we would be on one planet, for example. Mm. I did not expect the plot to go no matter all these plot elements that happened with cats, the gladiator scene, the translating, the C. Allison, the the building. Well, when we get to all that, all of that happening, I did not expect the book to start with this epic space opera expectation of destroying the sun. And I get we're going back. How did he get to that point? But setting that up had me believing, okay, regardless of where this plot goes, as much as I did enjoy what the world ceded to me, I expected a lot more grandiose scale. Mm. maybe scale with the plot and maybe scale with the conflicts because with setting up, I murdered the son and then I'm going to go through some conflict points here that just, okay, you murdered the son. Oh, you tripped, you broke your pinky toe. That, that's what it <laughs> seems like to me after our stakes are set that high. So I have to really love the character of these plot points are going to mean anything. Actually, another big thing was the tension of this book, this is my biggest problem with the plot, okay, big problem, is trust that I'm invested in the world and the slow burn. Don't try to fake me out with these, ooh, it's really tense. Ooh, it's like Red Rising fast pace. You are no Red Rising. <laughs> just, I, I it is not that. No, no, but I feel like this book was trying to toe the line between giving you that Dune name of the wind slow burn while also giving you Red Rising. Ooh, fast cut. Sorry, I spit on you. You did. Fast cut scene. <laughs> Every time I say fat, fast, it's fastly spit on the pitch <laughs> but sorry <laughs> so no don't turn red upside down oh let's turn the stuffed animal okay point being one of the parts about hadrian's character he's a bit melodramatic he says he's melodramatic constantly and he's both melodramatic in the past and in the present and there, yeah. there's these scenes that are supposed to come off i think more drama filled or tense and if you don't mind I have the end of chapters. There are some lines here yeah. at the end of chapters that just reminded me of like two, the 2000s, like a Terminator end of a movie. And Do you mind if I read a couple of these? Go ahead. This, this is the feeling I, I got sometimes when I was reading this. Like, okay, slow burn, slow burn. Small, not so intense scene. Okay, here's the end of, here's this chapter. I'm going to read this line to you, okay? Th this is exactly what I'm feeling when I read this line. So m mother helps Hadrian. She says goodbye and he's saying goodbye to her as well. And here's, here's what plays. Those were the last words I ever spoke to her. And as it always is with last words, they were not enough. <laughs> okay, okay, so that's the, that's the end of that chapter. And then we go to the end of another chapter, okay? Remember when Cat dies? Cat dies. You remember this? Yeah. You remember that scene? It was wham, riveting. Okay. So Cat dies, and then I'm going, okay, okay. What's happening? How's he gonna end this chapter? And then very last line of the chapter. Okay. Cat dies, but Hadrian, he's he's got to move on. He's got he's got to move on. Then, truly alone, I turned away and made my way back to the world of the sick and living. 
my own story was not yet done. And that's that's all I got. That's that's all I meant with. I got one more. I got one. I, I got one more. So after the gladiator fight was won, right? I can't I, I, believe you, Red Rising fanatic, what? are not okay with melodrama. No, here's the next one. That's drama, not melodrama. <laughs> <laughs> then after the gladiator fight was won, remember that the gladiator fight was won. They're all like, "Woo, yeah, we won the gladiator fight." Okay, let me set you in the scene. Let me set you in the scene. And then he's sitting around with his friends, his pals. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then we're sitting there, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, 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 what's going on here? And so I'm thinking in my head, oh, this scene, let me get in the mood. What, what kind of music am I feeling? You know what music I'm feeling? I'm starting to get this in the background. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're getting to the end of the chapter. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> and for once, perhaps for the first time, I knew what it was to be among friends and was content. <laughs> Sorry. Lincoln Park was constantly in my head. And then that's all I got. I, did I actually have... got, I got one more. Oh, I, my I, God. I, I, <laughs> so Hadrian pla- plans this perfect, perfect revenge, right? He, he has his plan all together. Oh, my goodness. This actually might work. Hadrian's got this perfect plan. He's set and ready to go. And then here, here's, here's the ending of this, okay? So I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh, my God. How, what's this going to be like? I don't know. How's this chapter gonna end? And all of a sudden, I just I hear that little music coming. I'm going, how's he gonna end this chapter? How's how's he gonna get his revenge? Oh my goodness. As revenges go, it would have been perfect had it ever played out. <laughs> that's it. You were impossible to please. That's that's <laughs> you- it. I just thought it was. I just thought it was fun. Wait, I got one last one. No, you're no, no. done. It's the end of the book. I got to do it. You are done. No, no, it's it's the last. It's the last line of the book. I got to do the last line. Uh. Okay, okay. Here we go. The end of the book. Just the just the capstone. This whole thing of where did the book end? Okay. Oh my god. We're, we're, we're not getting ads on this because Lincoln Park's going to steal our uh, Probably, <laughs> revenue. Yeah. Okay, okay. So this this is the very end of the book. Adrian, how are you going to end this, buddy? Oh, here we go. Uh, let me go to the timestamp I had ready. Because I, I, how you read books hurts me. Like, look at what you've done to that book. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> there are endings, reader, and this is one. Some part of me will forever lie in a mesh, in the canals and in the Colosseum, in the castle and the Bastille of Borisevo. It lies with Cat at the bottom of a waterway, and on the killing floor of the Colosso. It lies with Gilliam and Uvenari, dead at my hands, and with Anace, whom I never saw again. If what I have done disturbs you, reader, I do not blame you. If you would read no further, I understand. You have the luxury of foresight. You know where this ends. I shall go alone. Okay, that last one works a lot better. Yes! <laughs> yes! You have no idea how many times I practiced that in the mirror to time the music with the da 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 what I love! So anyways, that... Oh my god, you're ruining the story for me. <laughs> I'm ruining the story? I, I read that last one, I'm like, oh uh, yeah. It's drama, okay. Uh, you know, it's dramatic. I convinced you a little bit. Look... Okay, I'm giving him a lot of grace to be yeah. dramatic. He killed a son. 
He gets to be a little dramatic. That's what I, no, that's what I mean. The killing the sun part is dramatic. So then I'm just saying all the melodramatic stuff between that where it's like, yeah. And then there's other scenes where I'm not gonna do the thing again. Okay, one more. No, I, I will. I will. <laughs> that was. I'm gonna throw it at you. <laughs> all I mean is then there were these scenes where I, I have it written somewhere here. Just trust me, I'll find it eventually. Mm-hmm. But where. The, during, I think it was Gladiator scene that happened when he was going to face Gilliam, there was an emphasis on his fear of death, like him about to die. There was a bit of a focus, just some paragraphs where, you know, Valka was going like, don't die, like, I'll be so angry with you, don't die. Like, there was some emphasis there of trying to build stakes upon Hadrian dying, which didn't work because we know Hadrian doesn't die. I don't yep. think that's what it was. It was more a moment of Valka actually showing care for him. That moment. That's yeah, kind yeah. of what it's for. That it's like moment going, more hey, so. Hey, look, look at the change in their relationship. Yeah. And then that whole fight scene was not a fear of Hadrian dying. It's Hadrian actually killing a man for the first time. No, I yes. Yes. That's that, the, that's that the part, tension of it. That part's the tension, but then the Valka portion with him and him, his internal dialogue there and in other scenes. So I'll find something here for you. Well, well what are your, your thoughts of the plot as I go through my notes and... And after that segment of what I didn't have Lincoln Park in my head when I was reading this. <laughs> Overall, like yeah, it's high space opera drama stuff. Like that, that's if that was like a one-off scene, you know, like it like stood out, then sure, I'd kind of feel like oh, this is weird. But that's the whole tone of the book. I mean, I've read plenty other books that like yeah, it's a drama. <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> Uh, I, also, I found I found the area. So there's like it opened up a chapter was there were worse places to die and da 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 like emphasis, emphasizing him maybe dying didn't do it for me because it was like there's worse places to die da 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 da. Where I just don't think the, you uh, like flashback one. You don't like flashback stories. No, flashback stories are are perfectly fine. Uh, here's one. Well, no, so, it takes oh, that yeah. tension out of most of those other scenes. There's not that exact tension. Well, here's where the tension, the focus on, like, you were right to say the Valka and him relationship, which, you mm-hmm. know, wasn't super invested in the relationship, so maybe that's why it didn't as much, but focusing on the tension between how he grows a character there or what tense point in conflict, how will he grow or change as a character versus... I, I did ver- think it was very tense of the moment oh, okay. of the battle scene of all of the other people thinking yeah. that he's toying with him. And that moment of like him kind of realizing, like, oh crap, <laughs> like he tr- tries to be kind. He's trying. He doesn't want to hurt him. Doesn't want to kill him at the very least. But he also doesn't want to die. Yeah, he doesn't want to die. But also now he sees everyone else sees him as basically yeah, torturing I'm, him. That's a good scene. That's I'm not a- talking about that scene okay. of him in the duel. Like we're we're not talking about that scene. Oh, okay. I'm talking about the internal dialogue moments throughout the book and preceding that. Mm-hmm. Of where he was talking about death, and he was not just talking about death, but almost giving us a fake out, or like, oh, is he not? Not as if the author was saying, is he gonna die? But it almost read that way in the in the word words that were used of there were worse places to die here than da da da. Talking about death as if to not growing the character. We know he we know he's gonna survive. Not focusing on the tense portion, which is good. The conflict, all that with Gilliam. Um. I don't disapprove. I don't disapprove of that. It's more the moments that are focused on will he, won't he die. It's not worded like that. But I got the overall feeling that the author, which I'd love to have him on because I, I want to do that Linkin Park segment with him. Oh and God. then I'll be so embarrassed if he ever sees that. I'll be like, I didn't mean it. As soon as, as, soon as he's, we're interviewing him, I'm like, that was the old me. I think it's a 10 out of 10 book. <laughs> but the, the, the scenes that he tried to make things more tense 
than they actually came across with death as one of those or the melodramatic ending of scenes. That's just a commonality in the plot I saw where I felt like he, I felt like I would have enjoyed it more as a reader if he trusted I was invested in the slow burn and the slow tension and the world and the CLs and the big broad scope rather than having to throw these cheaper moments that didn't really land because they were so small scale, not just in stakes, but in interest mm. and in my inv investment in the story. That's my overall plot reasons of why it just didn't land super well. I guess the only counter to that i have is mm -hmm. what didn't bother me at all <laughs> screw you you know what i, I love that I, honestly no, that, that is the best response because it's like someone gives a, a passionate passionate speech of like disagree <laughs> yeah that's you know i spent two disagree. hours i spent two hours making notes like man what what really didn't connect for me how can i maybe give some value to someone else out there that didn't enjoy the book and has the same opinion as me like you know people looking out for confirmation but yeah. i'm like i didn't like the book maybe i'll agree with austin this episode i'm like how can i how can i represent that group how can i articulate this oh this would be a funny bit let me plan let me rehearse the line so it can time with the da, da, da. let me do that and then all that for you to go no <laughs> I hate my life. <laughs> I, I want to be you sometimes. <laughs> I, I have envy. <laughs> um, that, that's. I think you you get your own head on books. Uh, I think my mind goes empty when I read when I read most books. My head is just an empty space. The book comes in, and I yeah. I don't think I have many expectations with reading. Uh, this is a theme because mm. I've seen it on other books that we've read as well, especially mm -hmm. with Wheel of Time. Yeah. That you go in and your expectations are conflicting with what you said. Then your brain's going like a thousand miles a minute of like, oh, this is a reference to this. And, and oh, this is like Lord of the Rings here. And, then, and, I'm, and I'm just going like, oh, I guess so. You know, why I disagree. I didn't really see it. No, no. I, you know, why I disagree because I do have this when I'm watching a film or a book it's mainly okay what's it going for enjoy I, as much as we can we're all biased we, yeah we all get in our own hands yeah i try to to the best of my ability but when reading now i will always go in with that tr best i can mindset not perfect but all the review that i have the reasoning is always done in post so yeah. i will read the book emotionally be like all right we're just going you know i'll put notes in here be like that's an important part let me go back to that. Okay, that's that's a character flaw or want or need that helps me write notes for the podcast afterward. I'll read it and then I'll go, I have this feeling and this feeling. Why did I not feel, why did I feel this way or this way? And then I try to articulate it after writing detailed notes on the pod. So it comes across that way maybe. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you're either smarter than me and I'm happier than you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what I mean? like, I'm both. You you are I'm you both, are smarter. No, but no, no. With that comes I, uh, uh, the dumber. Cost. Come across dumber and less happy. I'm just saying. I'm currently reading yeah. the uh, fourth book of Skyward. Of like, I went in. I'm like, it's uh, what is? It's not Cytonic. It's uh, Defiant. Defi I'm reading Defiant, Defiant okay. right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I have nothing in my head when I'm reading it. It's just is there's no overhand i'm not analyzing it at all i'm just like rich, yeah, this you, you, rich hey I, look that character came back that's nice rich, <laughs> I, just, I, I mean this i mean this non i mean this not in a way to attack you 
Oh, sure. But it just means when I prep for the pod. Yeah. <laughs> All I mean is that I, I will read the book. And for example, the whole Linkin Park thing, the melodrama. It's hilarious. No, 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 not that. Not that. Didn't even cross my mind reading the book. Oh, okay. no, no. Here's the thing. Okay, Linkin it. Park yeah. thing. Didn't for a second think Linkin Park. I was reading it, go, like finishing these lines going, that didn't land. Da, 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 da. Finish the book. And then I'm going through my notes of like, I have notes that go, didn't land, did land. It's basically good, bad, good, bad, good, bad in my notes here. And mm-hmm. I go to, hmm, that line didn't land. This one didn't. What do they have in common? Wait, it kind of reminds me of yeah, Linkin okay. Park drama. Oh, that All would right. be fun. So anyways, the line of thinking goes, I try to be dumb. Because when ignorance is bliss. It is. Do you enjoy things? Reviewing books is it, a burden. Not, not a burden. That's just a burden to our happiness. Because it's great to go in a book. You know what I'm going to do? Yeah. I'm going to, on the How, how to Lose the Time War. Yeah. I'm going to read it like you. I'm gonna, you're going to look at my book, and it's going to be full of little post notes. It's just I'm a reminder. See, just to go I back. I want to see. I'm, I'm just going to see yeah. how I'm going to operate how you do. Okay. And I want to see if I enjoy the book more. Okay. Or less. <laughs> Well, I did these notes for books I love. It's 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 <laughs> books you love or don't like. It's just writing notes. Of, hey, I like this. I don't like this. I'm gonna give it's it a shot. Tracker. I'm gonna give it a shot. All it does is help me for when I'm compiling notes on the pod of going back to like, oh, that line, that character. That's all it is. Fair enough. But you know what? I'm also deeply unhappy and trying to compensate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so plot. I had a lot more to say on plot. Want to just move on? What What else did you have to say in plot? I, I wanted to say some good things. <laughs> Give us some good stuff. What would you like? The slow burn with the CLs. Oh, I loved... That was the best. It was... The best moments of the plot were going, ooh. Oh, that final is... third of when he's going through the ruins? Yeah, that was... And, cool. like, the mystic... Like, Come on. Open now. it up. Like, like okay, cool. is this, like, ancient civilization spaceship? Like, what are they going to... Like, all great stuff. I was loving it. One, you start going, like, why did it react to Hadrian? Does Hadrian have, like... It reacts mm. to him specifically, and he's the only Palantine there. Right? Is there something? Is there something genetically similar between Palantines and Sialson? Mm. That was kind of in my head. Oh. Like, oh, okay, oh. this is a little interesting. Right? Yeah, I, w- I had a great time in that last third. That hey. was the. I really liked the first part. I liked a. I really liked the cat section in the middle. And then I really loved the third. Like, that was, like, the highlights of the book for me. Fair. The stuff in between was interesting, but not great. <laughs> Again, we're <laughs> .75 off our actual rating of this. <laughs> so, you didn't turn your brain off that much. You also, you didn't love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I just had to make fun of you. Yeah, I, I, I had to it's, poke. It's fair. It's fair. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. And yeah, the payoff payoff wise, I am left at the very end of the book going, you know what, book two, I want to see where the world goes. I'm interested enough. Again, it's a six out of ten book. It's a it's uh, I've, it, also do, should we give like the slight spoiler that we were given that happened in book two? You know that, what? Like it made me more interested it to is, read it. It's not even a spoiler. It's it's just it's sentence one. It's yeah. sentence one of the next book, essentially, is there's a time skip. Yeah. Which Yay. Good. good. Good, good. I want a time skip. Yep. So that's that has me more invested to go, okay, finally, we're, we're moving forward. We're getting past this. Mm-hmm. Do you want to move on to Dialogue of Pros? Sure. Dialogue of Pros, what did you give that out of 10? I gave it a 7 out of 10. I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. I think it's well written. It like it has good 
unique voices. I think scene visualization was actually really, really good. Like I, okay. I was really seeing the world and scenes. Liked it a lot. Awesome. Now, did is it really complex prose that handles multiple avenues? Not really. I think the only complexity to it is having to read in how Hadrian views the world is not how the world actually is. And I think it's kind of interesting to read in, like, what is Hadrian's perception versus what's reality? That's right. maybe the only like complex writing thing. But other than that, when he's – my criticism of the writing is when he's describing the world, it feels very disjointed because you have dialogue scenes and then hard stop long scene describing an, the history or a big info dump and then right back into the middle of the dialogue that's really disjointed and very hard to do yeah generally generally speaking the prose is all right this paragraph is a character paragraph this one's a plot one this one's i'm going to describe the world paragraph of and so the, the, if you're being same, ultra critical right? well no and in the same conversation there'll be one conversation and it'll be a hard break where for a whole paragraph will be just des describing the scene or describing an element of the scene or describing his thoughts yeah and it's so far removed than when it goes back to the actual dialogue. I'm like, okay, what, what was he saying before? It's just kind of, it's not smooth. I get you. And there was even the scene that I remember. Again, given the flowers, like this, it's, it's well written. It's, it is well it's, written. No, like, no, it's not. Just to have something more fun to talk about is the point of like, what, what's something we could learn from it? What's something interesting about it? Is that's the direction you're going of. Mm -hmm. he, here's what, it's good to look at, hey, is there something better that could have be been done? Because then you know what you really love. What gets that mm. ten free? That's that's an interesting conversation to have. Because there was a scene with Cat and and Hadrian when they were being introduced to each other. I just remember the intro was very much, "Hi, my name is Cat." Hadrian going, "Hi, my name is Hadrian." Back and forth. Like, it was very much dialogue introduction of things. Next portion was Cat asking about him being injured. It's like, "Hey, are you injured?" It was very much, "All right, introduction." between characters all right are you injured finding out what's wrong with the character then describing cat so all i mean is none of that's bad stuff i just mean the the pros you would be looking for the the pros that moves things forward is using the economy of words and is more interesting is if in one paragraph or sentence the introduction the stakes of the conversation and hadrian being injured and also cat's description could be described and more all, all of this at the same time of yeah actually describing of what's happening yeah like moving plot. that plot forward like they're right. moving and talking right and rather than hi my name's austin yeah hi i'm the better podcast host <laughs> richard <laughs> damn it <laughs> that's great dialogue yeah, great dialogue but uh, hey there's it gives point. a bit of my personality it's, it's, and uh, character no, it's not no, just not even kidding perry pratchett yeah. for example there's a scene with mort and this doesn't spoil mort but going hi i'm mort but that high on Mort is part of Mort's personality and character and, and how humor, it's constantly ignored. And yeah. And part of the actual message of the story. So oh, I also want to get, I, I'm going to share with you like share the with comment. Yeah. Uh, so someone commented and I didn't know this and I thought it was great. So, someone out there? Someone out there. Oh. Out there in the ether. Oh, hi. Commented and told us that Mort actually means death in French. I, I told you that in the video. No, you didn't. At the end of. No, you didn't. I don't remember genuinely. You don't remember that? <laughs> in no. the video. No, I don't. I don't remember. It was in my notes. I know. There's it. a commenter that reminded me of it. A commenter did say it, but yeah. also at the end of our podcast episode, when I was saying the, the ending of, remember I was saying more, no. 
remember Arvar? We're saying that was French and also more is death in French. Man, I don't remember that. I totally said that to you. Eh, I don't remember. I don't remember most of our conversations. <laughs> Steel sieve here. <laughs> book go in, book go out. Yeah, it's gone. That's why you love books. It's like, yeah, I definitely read those words. I read those words. I felt pretty good about them. That, that is why you love Wheel of Time. It's like, I'm supposed to like things with a lot of words. <laughs> There's, all it's, are, no, it's long enough. Thing, no, all the bad, yeah. all the, the criticisms, negative, fall through. All the good stuff Just stayed in there. the stiff. It's like, all I remember is good moments. Yeah, exactly. Bad moments, no remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's Maybe it's 5,000 pages long between the series, but I remember a solid 100. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, in all, I wouldn't even say there's really any bad moments in Wheel of yeah. Time. There's just less interesting, boring ones. I and you. those I forget. And it's like, okay. I just read them and immediately forget them. It's fine. Who cares? Going on. Honestly, it's a happier Condensed. it's a happier way to live life. Yeah. I, I don't I don't disagree. Yeah. Uh, with, another thing with the pros, I want to mention also Salty Sea Spork in our, our Patreon mentioned this as well. A lot of the pros would sometimes feel disjointed in that sometimes it would be fo- focused on the story and the pros would be one way and then there would be an almost Dune-like moment where it would get philosophical for a couple paragraphs. Yeah. Which, which I like. Those I paragraphs like those were yeah, well-written. They were really interesting. Really well-written and interesting points. But mm-hmm. then it just seemed out of place <laughs> because we were going normal stuff, normal stuff, normal stuff, then boom, philosophical moment. Almost like wit from Sanderson <laughs> came out of nowhere. And then, and I want to just say one of those scenes. I won't go through all of them, but one mm-hmm. of the scenes to interestingly talk about for a moment and just go off. Here, here's what the prose was and here's what the message was. So, I had loved drawing ever since I was a child. As I grew up, however, I realized there was something singular about the process. A photograph might capture the facts of an object's appearance, colors and details rendered perfectly at a higher resolution than any human eye could appreciate. By the same token, a recording or RNA memory injection might convey a subject with perfect clarity. But in the same way that close reading allows the reader to absorb, to synthesize the truth of what he reads... Drawing allows the artist to capture the soul of a thing. The artist sees things not in terms of what it is or might be, but in terms of what must be, of what our world must become. This is why a portrait will, to the human observer, always defeat the photograph. It is why we turn to religion even when science objects, and why the least scholiast might outperform a machine. The photograph captures creation as it is. It captures fact. Facts bore me in my old age. It is the truth that interests me, and the truth is in charcoal, or in the vermilion of those of whose properties I record this account. Not in data or laser light, truth lies not in rote, but in the small and subtle imperfections, the mistakes that define art and humanity both. Beauty, the poet wrote, is truth. Truth, beauty. Great stuff. It's great stuff. Now, to be fair, that yeah. is Hadrian Older writing back in the memoir, but there are all moments in his present-day self where there's also those sections. Mm-hmm. But that is... That's a defense of art. That that is in defense oh, yeah. of art itself, and it's very true. Art and beauty. Yes, looking at that beauty has something that is un, undefinable, but you know it when you see it. Yeah, it's something that is not easily replicated or manufactured. It has to be born of life. It takes that phrase "beauty" and is in the eye of the beholder, but explains it and makes it more interesting. Yeah, it's really, it's really nice. Actually, it's now making me think of a. Slight negative. <laughs> the book. What's the negative? Well, Hadrian several, many, many times in the book, he has shown drawing. 
I wish that would have a more of an impact in the story, the plot. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, like, like, he and, and discovers Hadrian, something yeah. while drawing. Like, when uh. he's drawing a person and discovers something a bit more about him while drawing. Of like, right. oh, like, you know that whole, the whole scene with him thinking about, um, not Gibson, but the deformed priest? Uh, uh, Gilliam? Gilliam. Yep. If he was drawing Gilliam, and in that scene, uh, sees a little bit more. Maybe he's not fully, fully understands, but right, right. gets an insight of maybe he's always been this way. How has the world shaped him, or did he shape his? Apparently, I would appreciate or a moment of clarity when he's thinking about um, uh, oh, Anais or Anais. I think A N A I S. Yeah, Anais. I'm reading the book on words like I see word I I know odd name yeah I don't pronounce it in my head <laughs> right anyway I think that would be nicer to have rather than yeah. just drawing yeah I, I get you yeah because that would have actually been like that whole philosophical explanation would have carried through the rest of the book sure I don't know maybe that's part not to harsh back on the plot for a second but there's a lot of stuff in here and some of it pays off but I think there's a lot thrown at that isn't exactly confined to this book. Maybe art will be mm-hmm. focused more on book two, book three, who knows? Possibly. But as far as this book, you're, you're right. So want to go on to the world building and yeah. magic system, which there's no magic system, right? But world building section, the yeah. setting. Okay. What did this... you give that out of 10? An 8.5. I gave 7.75. Yeah. Uh, Great so world. Both very high. Great world. Yep. It was very, very good. I would, it's like I had said really, really good. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't <laughs> say great. But, so... We we kind of hinted at throughout this podcast episode of why that was our most interesting, why that was the most interesting portion of the book, mm-hmm. the slow burn of the CLs and how interesting that concept is. But to hone in to it more, what about the world made it feel full and real and what kept you interested? The history. History of the empire and how it started the loss of Earth and how Earth itself is treated as a... Th- the return of Earth instead of the return of Jesus, basically. Mm. Um, the religion and how it is limiting, how it limits information and why. And you always, you at the beginning. The chantry, right? The chantry, yeah. how you believe at the beginning it's more of limiting technology and information just for the sake of power. Right. And then you realize more of, eh, it's not just power. That like They are actually hiding something specific rather than just general knowledge because at first you kind of think oh they're hiding information mainly to control technology because technology is power right instead no they're hiding technology so they can hide information because the information they're hiding specifically is the breaks the foundation of the chantry Mm. that's more interesting Mm. the revelation of like it's the reverse right so i find that great um the class structure and how the palatines actually like how they live hundreds of years, the more advanced ones, the ones closest to the emperor, and how the genetic sequencing even functions, how there are no, like, natural births up in the Palatine, and it's all, you know, test tube babies, and how each house has their own genetic markers and specifically hand-carved and tailored for the family of certain features, and how that genetic code is valuable to other other families and lower-born families. All that history, the travel, how it all functions, it's fantastic. Agreed. And to throw in 
the only negative I had of mm-hmm. the world. Not only negative, but you know the the portion of it that were that field realized it was the, the C. Ellison were interesting, the Chantry, all intertwined with the plot. The part for me that wasn't as tip top shape was a mesh the planet. I did appreciate how the what, mm. what were those creatures in the the ones with the cilia the umadach the, yeah, uh, the, yeah those interesting creatures as well but the the planet amesh itself for especially that we were there the whole book didn't feel very lived on and real it, it wasn't super didn't stand out in any way I'm only mentioning I would that. agree with you yeah I'm only mentioning that because the other aspects of the world building did put this up and were so interesting but I would expect like hey if we're on a planet for like a couple chapters or something's happening for a little bit over here and we don't get much about it because we're just stopping by. But when, after Act 1, we're there for three, 400 pages, the whole entire plot, and a mesh doesn't have a lot to it. And this is kind of by design that the history, yep. there is no history to the planet. Like, yep. it was colonized. Like, what was on the planet was the Ameshu who have basically no technological advancements or mm-hmm. it's more hidden. Like, their culture is less advanced than humans, but there is something. It is more advanced than humans give it credit for because mm. we don't understand it because they have their own language. It's weird. But the main thing is they were there and then humans came, colonized, and basically made it what it is. There wasn't a huge evolution of time. No, but then, hey, the very interesting part about the planet was the things happening on it, like the, the building. Or, yeah. Being the, uh, 700, the ruins. A million years old. Yeah, the ruins. A million years old. And not what? decayed. What and... is going on here? Yeah. the the Cielsen coming and going. It's all you are not of it, or it is like this is this, this is a religious site, not for you. Yeah. Oh, okay. They, yeah. they were willing to come all the way to. All right. There's some good stuff there. Yeah. It's the other aspects of it where like the Coliseum feels. Yeah. It's a Coliseum. Colise- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about what it is. The streets. The streets. So, uh, yes. So if, there are again, the streets. I, I feel like I had to, you know, when one of us likes it more, the other has to start critical. That is true. It is always that true. Is true. That is our shtick. <laughs> but to bring it back, all the things that you said, I agree with, with the world. Liked it a lot. And that mm-hmm. is what will get me to read the next book when I do. Other, I, yeah. other than that, it was a, is a book in total for me was a, I didn't love it. But hey, when I get to it, I'll get to book two. I'm not, I'm not jumping out of my seat to get there. But what will get me to read is, since you are more interested in it, I'll probably buddy read it with you. Some point. Yeah. And I'm making a fair commitment to reading it with, uh, 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 reading it on February, mainly because Coop in our Patreon who recommended it, he's been itching to on his reread. So I can't keep him waiting too long. So probably have a book club with it too. So you'll talk in Discord on our exclusive Patreon. Yeah, go ahead and check that out. Man, we didn't advertise our Patreon once. No, like officially. We talked. We mentioned it. We mentioned it, but we didn't like shill. We didn't say join it now. We didn't say that. Give us money. Yeah. (laughs) So we didn't do that. But it's good at the, it's at the end of the video. So it'll stick with them. The, you know, the, Three people who the, are actually got to the end of this video. Exactly. And, They'll click on and it. And the guilt as they leave this video and go, man, those people who aren't struggling whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, we're not wealthy. But it's like those, no. those two people who have enough to like, look, they have a laptop and ton of books. They don't. We're not that well. We're not. They, they could spend their money in many more significant ways is all I'm saying. They could get a good lunch. <laughs> I, I'd say a good lunch is. A, we a, maybe are worth. Ten dollars is not a good lunch. I'd say they that get, isn't a good lunch. It's a better lunch than we could provide. That, it used to be a good lunch. Yeah. Damn inflation. Yeah. I, oh, New Mexico was shielded. 
I, I want you to understand. I was back in New Mexico briefly. I just mm-hmm. little side tangent mm-hmm. of New Mexico has been always a little bit shielded from inflation compared to out east. Mm. Like things are always expensive. Had a little east. bubble around you. A little bit. Like I remember getting like, hey, I can get a pretty good meal, like full meal, for like seven, eight bucks. Oh, that nice. was my average. Like nice. And I got meal, side, and drink mm. for about that. I went back. I was paying. $13 for a full meal. I was just, where did it go? <laughs> why? Oh. Why is it changing? And that's why, listen, out there, if you, wanna, you if, you wanna help, if you want to help a normal adult in need, right here, look at this poor man. Just give, <laughs> give me a, a lunch a month. Thank you. <laughs> all right, that was a bit too much on the Patreon thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's too late. Bye, everybody. Bye, all. We'll see you next week.